this. The Lord is good and has been faithful. And we welcome you all here to our service, River of the Valley. It's so great that you are with us and that you are able to worship with us here in person. It's great if you're with us also uh, on our live feed. We're going to invite the children come up. And um, Visnia is not, she's already up there. Got it. So children, come ahead and come up. And uh, Pastor Christy, maybe you could lead them up there and then come back. Come on up. Yes, get your sandals back on, Amaya's. Good to see everybody. <laughs> it's all right, you don't need to zip it. Let's pray for them. And Father, thank you for our our families in this church. I want to pray today, Lord, for parents because it's it's a loving and also a a huge responsibility to be a father or mother, a grandparent, a spiritual father or mother. Lord, I pray that you continue to give energy, creativity, perseverance to each person that is fulfilling such a role. Thank you for their thank you for their hearts and for, for what they give each day. We pray over our children, Lord, thanking you for, for their lives, asking that your love would be poured out into them in new ways that they could understand. That as they are heading off to school, that as they are with friends, that they could understand how much you love them, and then they can reflect that to the people, to their friends. Lord, I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, go ahead and follow Pastor Christy. She'll take you to where you go next. I'm going to invite up Nabil, and he'll lead us in a time of prayer. Good morning. Uh, I wanted to, I had highlighted certain things here. You know, there's nothing like paper. <laughs> it's all gone. Anyway, I wanted to start this with uh, this prayer with a beautiful song, which is uh, Psalm uh, 31. Uh, in it, it speaks of uh, God being our refuge. It speaks of enemies surrounding us, uh, uh, conflicting uh, health issues. Uh, it's just a beautiful way, and then it says in it, one of the beautiful verses in it, that I, I think it's an amazing verse that we take it and, not, and, and just gloss over it and not really think about it. It says, but I trust in you, Lord, I say, you are my God. Verse 15 starts with this, my times are in your hands. How often do we really look at this verse and trust that whatever we face in life, the troubles, the agonies, uh, our times are in his hand. And with that, let us pray. Father, we are surrounded by problems, whether uh, personally, uh, financially, uh, health-wise, we age. Life is not something we can take for granted and rejoice in. And yet the end of this psalm that I just read says that I rejoice in the Lord because he is my refuge and he is my rock. My time 
our times are in your hand. Lord, we watch around and we look at the agonies in this world, in, in our immediate neighborhoods, in our families, in our cities, in our states, in our countries, in the countries of the world, uh, the terrorism that's happening, the political turmoil, the divisions that are found, all as a result of a sin that was committed years and years ago by us not being obedient to you. Give us this obedience. Teach us how to trust in you and to really trust that our days are in your hand, that whatever happens is something that you will use to advance your kingdom on this earth. We ask health when we don't deserve it. Life is taxing, but we ask that those that are suffering can find refuge in you, that they can find healing in the advancement that you had allowed humans to achieve. We ask peace in places where there's no chances of it, in the Middle East, in Lebanon, in uh, Afghanistan, uh, in Washington, D.C., the, the divisions that are happening. We ask that if your people will humble themselves and pray that you will restore this land to them. And Lord God, we take refuge in you. You are our rock and our fortress, and we trust in that. Give us this peace. And Lord, let us think about the words of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus had taught us. Let's think about each one of these phrases, each one of these sentences, because it's such an encompassing prayer that we need to take to heart. And with that, let us pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power I'm going to invite Pastor Christy up real quick, and she wants to share a little bit about an event coming up that I hopefully many of us are going to be willing to come to. So what do you want to invite us to? So as many of you know, I run an organization called Impact, and in past years, we've sent teams with Impact to go serve in short-term missions in other countries. We've been kind of grounded from that for the last two years, and so we've been expanding what we've been doing here for what we can do during these times. And so October 2nd, I want you to really think and pray and consider and show up. <laughs> this is going to be here October 2nd on Saturday. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking the awesome training that we do before teams go on mission trips, and we're going to be implementing it into training how to be Christ's gospel takers into our own neighborhoods. How do we cross the borders 
and barriers that exist in our own lives, in our own workplaces, in our own neighborhoods, whether that's a political, economic, cultural, all these different barriers that exist, we're going to learn how to cross those in order to build relationships to share the love of Jesus Christ. So we have four speakers lined up. We have some women from this church are going to make a wonderful lunch. We have the famous Prado Trio sign up to do some worship for us. So it's going to be a really awesome day from about 9 to 5 here at the church, October 2nd. However, because we have all of these people involved and all of the food involved, we do need you to register. So if this sounds interesting to you at all, please come see me or just visit Impact's website if you're familiar with that and register. It's a $35 registration. However, we do have lots of scholarships available. So if $35 is difficult for you right now, we would love to still have you there. So if you have questions or want to know more about it, come see me. The idea is to get all ages involved. A lot of people think of like short-term missions and they're like, oh, that's just for the high schoolers. Oh, that's just for the college. Oh, that's just for the young people. Oh, that's just for the 50-year-olds. It's for everybody because we're not actually going every, anywhere in this particular time. It's just to, back to our houses afterwards. So it is for all ages, whether you want to go on an international mission trip next summer or not. We are having our global partners involved in this training. They're going to be either on Zoom or on pre-recorded videos speaking into the topics that we're covering and sharing their own testimony of how building relationships across barriers has shared the love of Christ in their context. So it's going to be a really awesome day. I am hoping that it gets people excited and interested in global missions, but if you're feeling like you're never going to go, that's okay. You can still come to this thing October 2nd. So we would love to have as much representation from this church as we can since we're going to be on this campus, um, but it's also going to be a really meaningful day to be involved in. So um, if you don't have the website, come up and talk to me after church, after service. We'll get you hooked up and registered October 2nd. It's a Saturday. Nothing better to do that day. This will be where you want to be. <laughs> so that's happening right here in this very sanctuary. Oh, my goodness. What a great opportunity, right? Here on your campus, this amazing event is going to be happening. Just before we jump into the word right now, uh, let's, let's just sing one small thing together just so that we can orient our hearts. And this is for us to begin preparing our hearts for where the Lord's taking us.
now surrender ourselves in terms of our logic, even our emotions, our wills. We surrender them now because we do want to sit at your feet. We make that surrender so we can sit at your feet and we can hear you continue with these parables today. Lord, may your spirit here among us give us the ability to understand where you are leading us, what you have said to us. Our great hope and desire is that we would better understand who you are, who we are, and what you have called us to. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So today we finish this mini-series in Luke 15. We've been sitting with Jesus as he was with the, the quote-unquote sinners, and then the Pharisees and the scribes called him out, um, saying, how can, how can this rabbi, how can this scribe, how can this teacher who is supposed to be guarding that hedge around uh, who we are and guarding the doctrine of our, of our religion, how can he be sitting with these people? How is this possible? And so Jesus tells the first parable of the sheep, the hundred sheep with the one that's lost. He tells the parable then, uh, going on about the woman and her, her lost coin. And today we land mm, in the last of this trilogy of parables all around the same theme of being lost and found. We're going to be looking at uh, a passage that's a little longer. And so we're not going to just read it straight through. What I'm going to do is, is we'll take chunks and then, we'll, and then you'll see how we, how we move through them. So this is Luke 15. And today we're going to be focusing on verses 11 to the end of the chapter. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property, his property, between them. The younger this younger son opens his eyes in the morning and the first rays of the sunlight are, are coming through his window. And he opens his eyes and immediately he is flooded with, with the excitement, with the anticipation of that morning. He had been waiting for this day in which he could now take all of what belongs to him in his possessions and he could go off and he could start a new life for himself. He could pave his own way. He was excited with all of that potential that was before him. What, what, were his, what will, donde, where will his road lead him? What will be there as he takes and is empowered, as he takes all of his creativity, as he takes all of his interests in mind? What type of life, what type of career? Is, is waiting him. And he sits up in that room and he looks around and he sees that all, all the things he had already packed the night before. And with all of, all of that energy, with all that excitement, with all that anticipation, he gets up and he walks out of his, of his room. He doesn't even stop to eat breakfast. He sees his family, but much more interested in that moment and what lies ahead. Finally, he gets to take his life into his own hands. Finally, it's Finally, it's his moment to head out and explore. The older son. The older son wakes up that morning, and he decided he didn't even want to sleep in that house. He was, 
he was still too frustrated by the conversations that he had been having with his younger brother for the previous couple weeks. He could not talk any sense into him. That dividing the family estate just in itself would be damaging the integrity of the family moving forward. But then to go to their father, to go to their father and to say, I want my inheritance now, he tried to tell him. It's as if he was telling his father that it would be better if, if he were already dead. This older woke up that morning filled with the same frustration and now even contempt. And that morning, as he began to watch the brother pack his things and leave, he already in his own heart decided that he was no longer a brother to this person that the younger in his eyes was now disowned, no longer a part of his family. The father, he woke up, and as he remembered that this day had now finally come, it felt as if in his own chest his heart was being ripped in half, and part of it as... <laughs> as his youngest son was packing it and leaving, as it was as if part of his heart was leaving also. Part of himself was physically moving away, and there was nothing the father could do. He had already resolved that he would give freedom to this child of his. He had already resolved that he would not be in the way of letting his, letting his younger son have that free will, that, that ability to explore life. But in that decision to give freedom to his younger son, it now meant, and he felt it, that part of him, a very part of himself, was leaving and it was, and it was dying. His family was fractured. And in his love, in his love, he sacrificed so much to let his youngest son Go forth. Verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Several months later, the father and the older were sitting at table in the evening. The father said, I just received the newest reports about the severe famine happening all over the land. Now, you don't need to worry. He was consoling his older son because as you know, we have, we have plenty here. We will be okay. We'll weather this storm, but my heart is now feeling even more suffering knowing that, that, that our younger brother is out there. The older son stood up pounding the table. How dare you even consider him still your son after all he has done to you? 
As far as I'm concerned, right now he's getting what he deserves. If he is out there somewhere suffering, may it be so, and may he live, live into that. May he taste that sourness that he has brought upon all of us. In fact, he is no longer my brother. He is your, maybe your son, but I will never call him my brother again. The father pleaded with the older son. I don't think you could understand, since you don't have a son, the feeling that I have of watching, of watching him leave and how my heart broke. And now that he is out there in this, in this desperate time, I can only imagine what he is going through. And I, for my part, do hope that he will return. From that day on, the father would regularly put his eyes upon the horizon, just in hope, a very dim hope that maybe, maybe his younger son would, would return. Verse 12, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. The son looked around, and being a, being a Jew, the idea of even working with pigs would be something that is horrendous. And yet he is sitting in this position because he so desperately wanted to make some sort of money, and this is the only thing that was left. Even before returning back home, he said to himself, I would rather sit here and eat what the pigs might eat. He, he might have tried a little bit of it, but the food, the pods that were being sent to the pigs didn't even sit in his stomach. They weren't nourishing him. And finally, he realized that if he was going to live, if he was not going to starve to death, the only thing, the only thing that he had left would be to try and return to his father. How am I going to do that, he said to himself. How am I going to convince him to let me back? And so he went to the task of trying to write the exact words that would convince his father to welcome him back, that could convince his father that, that he was, in fact, penitent, that he was, in fact, ready to not even be received back as a son, but as a hired servant. He began to realize all that he had done. In his entitlement, in his empowerment, he realized how he had been blinded, how he had neglected the family as he left. In the moment, it just felt like excitement, but now looking back, he realizes, if I tried to go and see my father after essentially cutting myself off and telling him I no longer wanted to be his son, what hope do I have? And so he crafts this message, not claiming to be a son, but just asking if you would be willing to bring me back as one of your hired servants. Twenty. So he got up and went to his father. But 
while he was still a long way off. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The son knew that this would be the day that he would reach home. He woke up and he began his journey and he was already filled with the anxiety of having to confront his father. And as he was approaching that last hill and come down, he noticed that there was a figure off in the distance running. And it looked awfully similar like his father. But he knew that would be impossible because fathers of his wealth and his stature would never run anywhere. And yet he's running Wow, he said, he must be so angry with me. He's breaking all the, the rules and customs to come and chastise me. And so he, begin, he begins to prepare what he's going to say. But just as the father approaches and just as the son begins to cower in defense, he sees the father extend his arms with tears in his eyes, grabbing hold of his son with such force as if part of himself had returned, thinking that he had lost his son into the world forever. Now, now being able to hold his son again, he was undone. The compassion that flooded him. The only thing he could do was, was think about all the ways to celebrate this moment. He had them bring the ring, that the sign that this son was part of the family again. He had them put the ring on his finger to, to dress him in his own robes so that the rest of the village would know that he had been accepted back into the family. And then to bring the fattened calf and, and to have a party with the village to celebrate with him that this son who he thought had died, this son who he had lost, is now back in the family. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back, safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son... The father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Once again, this 
this brother could not bring himself to even call this other person his brother. He tells his father, this son of yours. But the father quickly corrects him, saying that, no, this brother of yours, this brother of yours who was lost, who was dead, has come back to find a life. And he pleads with him. Once again, the father sacrifices. Once again, the father humbles himself and goes outside to where the older son is pouting and in anger. And he pleads with him to come back in to find reconciliation. For as the entire village is now celebrating in this, in this joy of this reconciled relationship, the older son is the only one who is now left out. Does the story end? That's the end of this chapter. There is no verse 33. And the story is to be continued, dot, dot, dot. We have no idea what the older brother decides in that moment. We have no idea if the younger brother now takes to a life that is more respectful of his family. We have no idea what each of these brothers does moving forward. And it's Jesus' way of speaking to the Pharisees, of speaking to the scribes, and of speaking to us, the church, saying, how are we going to live with this Father? What will be our response to this, to this grace, to this sacrifice that Jesus has been making for us? Sometimes we are in the position of the younger brother, where we are so filled with our entitlement, with our empowerment. We're so excited about what's before us that in that excitement to use the creative will, the freedom that's been gifted to us, just like Adam and Eve when they were created and God said, you are free to eat of all the fruit. Just don't pick that one. All of us with that freedom at times go and we misuse it. We we walk away from that loving father. And all of us, there are times like this younger son realize what we have done and we try and come back to the father. And we think we need to find the right words in confession. We think we need to find the right, the right way to, to set our lives straight before we come into a church. But really, what do we find as we even begin to think about returning? What do we already find? That Jesus has already, already died on the cross for us. That Jesus has already come back to life. That Jesus has already called us brother and sister. And yet, you'll notice that at the end of the first two stories, they all end with the word repent. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous who do not need to repent. Or in verse 10, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. For that younger son, what did repentance look like? Accept the grace. There's nothing he needed to do. There's nothing he needed to say. But to recognize that he had been found. 
for us but to recognize that Jesus has died on that cross and has risen to life and because of that has found us. Because of that, he puts the ring on our finger that we belong in the royal heavenly family of God. He puts on that clove around us, that robe that shows us we are in that family. Sometimes we're like that younger son, and we have to simply receive the grace and be okay with it. Realize that it is not something that I can fix because I'm the one that broke the relationship. It is God alone who can welcome us back. And then there's sometimes we're like the older son. Or maybe we have been in the church for a while. Maybe we, like the older son, have come to think that being a part of God's family gives me entitlement in itself. That since I am the one that goes to worship regularly, since I am the one who has been trying to grow in my faith, since I've done this, this, and this, that now that warrants, that now I have become worthy because of my actions. For even those of us that have been in the church for so long, we are in the same position of that younger son in which we begin to use our freedom in ways that, that replace the grace of God with our own works. Each of us, just like that older son, need to be in a constant cycle of repentance in that we are constantly remembering that the grace of God is all that we have. And the actions that we do are nothing but the outflow, are like the thanksgiving that we give back to God. In fact, Jesus tells this parable so that the older son would be the focal point. Just as the Pharisees and scribes, and maybe at times us, stand outside the door and wonder what the Lord is doing, so Jesus is asking us, to join in the celebration that he wants to make possible through us. To let the Lord be the one who hands out grace and to rejoice as each of us, no matter where we are in our walks, receive that, receive that grace and repent well. Each one of us here right now, daily, and particularly as we're together Sunday and weekly, we need to be saying, yes, Lord, I need your grace. And so that's what we're going to be right now. I'm going to open up a time of prayer. And whether you are connecting more with the younger son or the older son in this story today, the, the moment will be for us to say, yes, Lord, I need your grace. And I want to enter into the joy of this heavenly party that is your church. So let's Let's open up our hearts now to the Lord and be ready to say once again that it is only by your grace that I'm welcomed into your family. Oh, Father, you, uh, you have sacrificed so much for us. You've so desperately looked on that horizon for our return. Lord, you've paid such a price, and yet you're filled with such joy and love. Lord, for those of us like this younger son who, who are trying to earn our way or find a way back to knowing you, Lord, I, I pray. I pray that as we say these words, 
like the younger son had said, that I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son or daughter. I pray now, Lord, that you give us the grace to see the promise in this passage, that you are filled with compassion just looking upon us, and that you have been running to us, throwing your arms around us, even kissing us. Father, we repent as we receive that grace. Father, for those of us who see ourselves in the older brother today, becoming angry, refusing to go inside because of our own tastes and desires and hopes, Lord, take our own hearts and minds off that pedestal, off the throne, and return yourself there. As you come outside and now plead with us to return into the vision you have for our lives and for your church, Lord, again, we repent. We repent and say we will follow you again. We repent saying we will follow you again. Lastly, Jesus, thank you for this story that describes your love for us the love of a father torn and, and filled with compassion for their for his son and for me and for our daughters lord i pray that as we use the rest of this worship time today that we would be able to glorify you well that we'd be able to magnify you well in response to this to this amazing grace in the name of god father son and holy spirit we pray Amen. Let's move into our time of self-offering and let the words that we have heard now continue to minister to us. Our offering boxes here in the back if you have a physical offering or you can always go uh, and donate online.